Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. Hey, Brad, you ready for today? I am ready for today. How about yourself? I'm ready, man. You're up. So you're going to be doing more of the talking than me, which I like. Oh, good. I always love the episodes where you just ask me questions, interview me. Just so ego boosting. I think our listeners like it, too. (laughs) All 14 of them. So... (laughs) Yeah, so this is going to be a real estate-focused episode, which I'm excited about. Like, Maybe I, I'll just give some quick background on this. So we were sitting in a jacuzzi the other night with our buddy, Zach, and we were all having beers. And Zach's a real estate guy. You're a real estate guy. I'm not a real estate guy, so I always feel a little left out of these conversations. But the the term covered land play came up. And I thought that sounded cool. And then I started asking you guys what a covered land play was. And I, you know, based on what you sort of told me, I thought that was interesting. And so today's episode, we're going to be talking about a covered land play, what it is and and uh, why you might use this as one of your investing strategies. Yeah. So, so this is this is almost like the listener had a fourth spot in the jacuzzi with uh, you, Zach, and I. <laughs> oh, welcome listeners into our little jacuzzi. <laughs> um, it was in the snow. It was a lovely night. Gosh, that was nice. Okay. So thanks, Zach, for that uh, that night. All right. So yeah, maybe we'll just kick it off. So Brad, why don't you just give us an overview of what a covered land play is, and then I'll probably fire some questions at you. Yeah. So just at a very simple level, a covered land play is when you buy a property based on the existing use of that asset. uh, But what you're really buying for is the land in the hopes that someday it's going to be redeveloped uh, by you or perhaps even the next buyer of that property into something else that's a higher and better use. So something that's more valuable than its existing use. So a good example of this, and we'll get into several, but just you know, to kick it off, is a car wash, right? Is you buy a car wash in a well-located area of town, your hope is that you know someday that car wash is going to be an office tower or a retail center or apartment building. Got it. But in the meantime, it's spitting off cash because it's a car wash and everyone loves to get their cars washed. Yeah. So the alternative to that would be buying just dirt, right? Um, a parcel of land that is you're, you wanted to develop into one of these assets. But in the meantime, a piece of dirt doesn't kick off any cash flow. So a covered land play just means that you are servicing your expenses in the interim while you're waiting for this future thing to happen. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, you can, I can kind of think of it as like you can buy land and hope that land is more valuable one day based on whatever things coming to you, the city growing to wherever your land is or some zoning things happening to make that land more valuable. Yeah. Or you can buy land with something on it that's generating cash such that you're, you know, you're making some sort of return, but maybe there's a juicy upside down the road based on what you think might be happening to that property. Yeah. And so these are particularly useful for developers who, you know, they basically land bank, right? So they often will buy just vacant, you know, uh, dirt parcels, but they would prefer to own something that isn't costing them money in the interim while they're waiting for this development to happen. And, and that waiting could be waiting for the market to come to that property, right? If you're buying a piece of land on the outskirts of town, but it's in the path of progress, then maybe you're just waiting for the market to get there, right? Population growth, job growth, or perhaps you're waiting for entitlements. You're waiting to get the approval from the city to actually build the thing that you want to build. So the, the nice thing about buying something that has an asset with cash flow is that there's still expenses to this even raw land, right? There's not going to be utilities to dirt. But there's still property taxes and and maybe you have a mortgage, right? Debt on that asset that you'd have to be paying. And it's not there's nothing to offset those expenses when you're just buying a piece of dirt. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's like, hey, instead of just buying a piece of dirt where I'm gonna be losing money for the near in the near term, 
let's buy a piece of dirt that has a business on it that's going to be generating some cash flow. Yeah, and so they're particularly useful for those who who know or at least feel very strongly that that land is going to be highly valuable, but perhaps you're not exactly sure when that's going to happen. That makes sense. So let me ask you this. In, in these types of investments, does does the deal typically pencil out if the future scenario doesn't happen? You know what I mean? Like, can you, you know, can you buy the land and it's generating cash from the business? Is that typically a decent investment in and of itself if you don't if you don't make that upside if something good happens to the land? So the way I think about it is that that's not the gr- a great outcome, right? You want to buy the, that asset and just think, well, it's going to do okay. It's more about the downside risk than making an acceptable or a great return rather on the existing asset. You're probably not going to be thrilled with that cash flow and the return on the existing use. If it's in a, an amazing market, you're probably not going to be thrilled because people always kind of price in that upside even when they want to sell something, right? The person who's selling you that asset generally knows if it's an infill property that the land is probably more valuable than its existing use. So the way I think about it is that you're, you're really, you're mitigating your downside and getting an a okay type of cash on cash return in the near term. And then your, your hope is that you're hitting that home run with the upside potential of the development. Gotcha. I mean, and can can you still get smoked on one of these deals if the if the entitlement or the progress doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen? And that so you know maybe maybe you bought it at a premium because yeah, hey everyone thinks overpay. the interstate's yeah. yeah the interstate's coming here and all of a sudden the interstate's not coming here and now the now the land's worth nothing. Yeah, so I think the the hard part about this is making sure that you're you're only buying the asset with a small premium or no premium to what its existing use is. It's it's hard to do. Yeah, especially in these. An infill property. What an infill property is, it just means that the city's already there, the population's already there, and it happens to be just an open plot of land, or sorry, a, a just a, a parcel within like a surrounding already developed area. Versus right, right, right. Versus uh, you know, something on the outskirts of town, which is going to be a lot cheaper and you know is riskier near term, but you're you're not going to pay that big premium like you would for an infill property. God, that makes sense. And and one of your, I guess when we were we were sort of chatting about this, a couple of a couple of your manufactured housing projects would sort of be considered covered land plays, right? Yeah. So some of our our, our properties in larger markets that are in these infill locations, I I would consider covered land plays. Not that we bought the asset uh, with the intention to oh we we really want to develop this into a, a skyscraper someday, but it went into the the thinking of why we should buy this asset because we felt like the risk was reduced because we know that the land value is actually worth more uh, to us in a, in a few years than, than the actual cash flow from that property and it's existing use. Okay. And I guess this is like a, this is probably an obvious point, but not all, not all, not all investments would involve land and a business are considered covered land plays, right? Because if there is no better use for that property, there's nothing going to happen to it in the next whatever, you know, yeah. 10, 20 years. It's it's just an investment with a business on it and some some land. It wouldn't be considered a covered land play, yeah, right? You, you might get lucky, right? So you might buy a property and just hold it long enough where the actual development comes to you, the market comes to you. That happens all the time, right? Somebody bought some property on the outskirts of Austin, and then all of a sudden, 20 years later, you know, Austin blows up and they're right in the thick of it. Gotcha. So th- that does happen, but it, I wouldn't call that a covered land play. That You know, you just bought something cheap on the outskirts of town and you got lucky. But if there's some real thought into it and demographics, you can actually see and, and maybe even you see it in the in the recent legislation at City Hall about their plans for the future infrastructure growth of that town. 
right? You can get really, you know, detailed in terms of your analysis of where that growth is, is coming in that area. Well, yeah. And I, I guess that that's pr probably pretty relevant for all of our listeners who are in this jacuzzi with us, because a, lo <laughs> a lot of these folks, it's very crowded in here. Yeah. You know, a lot of these folks are in, you know, areas where they, they have much better insights into what's happening in that local community than, than a lot of other national investors or regional investors. Right. And so perhaps, this could be a good strategy for folks that, that really understand a local area. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, if you know a, a new highway is coming in, a new toll road, it's going to change the dynamic of that market, right? And you can get ahead of that and you can buy a property that, that maybe has some near-term income, like a car wash, right? That's just off that new highway exit. And so you know that, wait a minute, this is probably going to be now big retail is going to be across the street, right? A Starbucks is going to come in, a, a mall, a movie theater. It's like you can, you know, get ahead of this if you know that market really well. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to start looking for these kind of opportunities. Although I feel like that's pretty played out here in Newport Beach, California. I feel like that's a, <laughs> there's a lot of people that have already figured. Although it's funny, we should probably talk about this car wash that's across the street from our office. Right? Yeah. So here's the perfect one. If, if you did own the land of this, uh, this car wash in, in Newport Beach, we, so we have an office, uh, Grayson has an office and and I do uh, in Newport Beach that is owned by the Irvine company who owns most of Orange County. And they happen to they're, also, they're, they're doing very well. They're doing all right. Yeah, they're okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's the richest Don Brand. He's the richest uh, real estate guy in the country. Uh, contrary to popular belief. Uh, yep. It's not our president. Uh, so this car wash is literally located in just fantastic location right across the street from one of the nicest malls in the country. I'm actually looking at it right now. They're, they're doing a brisk business of Teslas and Land Rovers. Are they? Yeah. Lot, that's a good car line up there. Yeah. So, you know, this car wash should be a, a luxury hotel. It should be a, a big office tower that's commanding top of the market rent. Uh, but, you know, it's a car wash. So if you could buy this car wash for a any kind of a reasonable number where you're not going to be losing money every month paying the debt service or to cover the operations, then this would be a fantastic investment over the long term, right? You don't know when you're going to get paid off and when you're going to get the approvals to, to develop, but somebody at some point is going to come to you and give you a silly number from that car wash relative to what you paid for it, most likely. Yeah. And that's all contingent upon you getting a reasonable price. But given yeah. that the Irvine company does own the land, that's never going to happen. So we're just yeah. going to continue to look at this car wash and, and <laughs> just no. wonder what could be. Yeah, uh, although exactly. it's, it's a solid car wash for 18 bucks, you get a good clean. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, that's... Uh, well, let's talk about some other examples, too, just so people have more context. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why don't yeah. You, okay, so good point. Let's so give us some examples. So we've talked about car wash. We talked about mobile home parks, uh, which are a great one because you're getting higher cash flow and you generally can get the city to approve for a higher density use if it's a great location because uh, they'd rather see more affordable housing than a mobile home park, most likely. Then another great one is parking lots. Right. In great locations, maybe if it's near a, an event venue, it's even better. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you can it, you know, can't just be some random parking lot where it's not a premium to park anywhere. It's not difficult. It's just on the outskirts yeah, it, of the town. It, it, someone has to be willing to pay to park there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just you can't just put parking spaces on a piece of land. Like, that's a good point. Yeah. There's, so there's a couple of parking lots in Maui that I would love to own yeah. uh, right downtown that, you know, we pay them a pretty penny uh, going out there on vacation, but should be something else, which should be something fabulous. So these things are, are wonderful because there's very low operating expenses, right? They're not a, a, a big hassle to operate. And you can just put in the bank that someday that's likely going to be something something better, right? Something it, in a different usage. 
how much of a risk is like you take the parking lot example is there a risk that the city never says hey this is never going to be anything more than a parking lot because we need parking i mean is that sure. that's, that's that's one of the risks you take when you do these kind of things sure but cities don't love you know just having random parking lots um they would rather see it to be something like a multifamily usage in in most markets but what you would hope for is that you're buying one of these covered land plays where you you've talked to the city and they at a minimum have expressed interest that someday or even in the near term that it would, could be approved to be something else or even better. It already has the existing zoning that you're looking for. So oftentimes you'll like, uh, for example, the, the mobile home park we were talking about, the zoning for that, that property is actually for high density apartment building. Uh, so we could go right now and it's already approved to be an apartment building. We would just have to get our plans approved, which is called the entitlement process. So there is certainly risk to that. The biggest risk is if it's not zoned to be the, the higher and better use that you're hoping for. So there you would have to really lobby with the city to try to get the zoning changed or a special exemption on the zoning uh, to change that use. But but oftentimes, you know, if it's well located in the path of progress, these cities want to see, you know, bigger properties that are generating higher tax revenues for the city. And also, are, you know, especially if they are giving the, the city uh, more units for affordable housing or just regular apartment buildings. I gotcha. And I guess the risk around whether or not that property is, is going to be zoned for whatever its future and better use is that just sort of factors into how much you're willing to pay on the front end, right? Exactly. So you're going to get a better price most likely if the zoning is not what you're hoping for, because you're going to have to take that risk. If the owner knows that it's zoned for this higher use, Right, he's going to try to extract that value when he sells, he or she sells the the property to you. Gotcha. Okay, so you got to hope for a an ignorant owner, and you got to hope that you have more knowledge about the uh, <laughs> local city council's plans. Than you. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Any other examples? Yeah, self storage. Just I like storage. Uh, uh, these are so good, aren't as they? A covered land play because it's similar to parking lots, and that there's not a lot of expenses, not a lot of headaches involved with self storage. Uh, a really unique one would be farmland. That one's a lot harder because obviously farmland's generally on the outskirts of town and you don't think it's going to be in the path of, of progress, but it has happened, right? Where people redevelop, uh, you know, farmland into, you know, these large mixed use investments, or maybe there's some water rights that you know about that uh, the, the mm. owner doesn't and long-term you want to get access to those. So that that's a unique one because it, you know, it's the same concept that that farm is going to kick off income and in then as yield crop yield right and so you're having to you're not having to come out of pocket for the property taxes and and perhaps your debt payments yeah and then you can say that you own a farm yeah okay no this is great i feel um i feel very enlightened uh, you know this is an interesting strategy i guess any any sort of i guess kind of final thoughts around for our listeners around hey if you do want to pursue something like this how would you actually go about doing it well i think you just need to be open to deals that maybe you wouldn't necessarily you're used to buying office buildings or you're only been buying apartment buildings your your entire investment career those are harder to be covered land plays right you have to generally do something that's a little more niche like we've talked about cuz and just to be clear that's that because they probably that already is the highest and best use is like an apartment yeah Correct. it's, it's never going to be anything more than that probably more not. Got it. Yeah. Unless you're knocking the dilapidated apartment building down to go vertical and uh, into a higher density, but that's that's rare. So I, I think you need to go a little more niche, and you know I think you just need to get comfortable with this concept of you know it's like an it's an asymmetric return profile, right? It's limited downside because you have current cash flow with big upside, 
And so you have to kind of think about that pricing when you're going out to buy these things, because you, you might not get a home run steal on the asset because the intent is to develop into something else. And generally the seller knows that. But it, and if, it just feels like one of those areas where if you do have unique insights, whether that's knowledge of the city council's plans or whatever, or just like a, a better understanding of the local area, it does feel like a, a type of a strategy where you could leverage that to make some good returns. Yeah. So we were bidding on, against somebody who's just a, a mobile home park operator on this, this deal in Spokane. And according to the broker, I mean, who knows, but they, they did not think about the fact that this asset was zoned to be high density apartments that was not going into their calculus. And so we were comfortable making an extra 50 grand offer higher than, than what they did to close the deal. Cause we felt a little bit better about the risk of that asset because of that. Hey, that was really smart of you. Well, you know, sometimes it works. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, man. Well, hey, thanks for educating us on Covered Land Plays. And I enjoyed being in the jacuzzi with you and uh, these 14 other listeners. <laughs> All right. Can't wait to do it again. All right. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Alternative Investor. Since you made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.